With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hey, Housing News listeners, have you heard? Registration is now open for HousingWire's Engage.Talent Summit on February 6th in Dallas, Texas. Join us to learn all about the latest tactics to recruit, develop, and retain the best mortgage origination talent. Visit engage.housingwire.com to register and use promo code HOUSINGNEWS2020 for $100 off. See you in Dallas. Listeners, this is Alcina Lloyd. I'm a reporter on HousingWire's editorial team, and I'm also the producer of the Housing News Podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you'll be listening to another bonus episode, which will feature Carl Tyree, the Executive Vice President and Chief Sales Officer at ArchMI. Tyree is an industry titan, currently overseeing Arch's sales team and relationship strategies. Before joining the company, he held senior sales and sales leadership roles with Republic Mortgage Insurance Company, Aquin Financial Corporation, and more. In this week's episode, he touches base on the nation's low interest rate environment, which he says is causing many lenders to prep for what could be another refinance boom. Additionally, he also discusses the housing market's lack of inventory in Archimai's 2020 mortgage market review, which claims housing isn't as expensive as we think. All right, listeners, without further ado, here's this week's bonus episode. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Clayton Collins, the CEO at Housing Wire, and we're coming to you with a bonus episode this week. We have Carl Tyree, the EVP and Chief Sales Officer at ArchMI. Carl, welcome to Housing News. Thank you, Clayton. Good morning. Great to be here. We're we're thrilled to have you on the show. Uh, Arch has been such a big supporter of of Housing Wire and the launch of this Housing News podcast. So uh, we're thrilled to bring you on for a bonus episode and learn more about what you are doing personally at Arch, a little bit about your background, and also tackle some of the top news stories that have crossed our news desk this week. Uh, but let's let's kick off with you, Carl. So t- tell us about tell us about your background. Where where'd you grow up? Where do you live now? Where'd you go to school? We know a little more about Carl. No, oh, wow, we're gonna we're gonna go really <laughs> far back then. At that rate, um, sure. I'm actually uh, probably one of the few people born in Washington D.C. Uh, but for the most part, I'm a Baltimore kid. So uh, Ravens and Orioles fan. Went to uh, went to college here in Maryland at a place called Salisbury University. Uh, spent a little bit of time up in New York and New Jersey, uh, kind of mortgage, mortgage world took me up that way. And then uh, now with three children, we, uh, my wife and I wanted to be back here around family. So uh, just outside the D.C. metro area, I guess closely associated with Rockville, Maryland, um, is where I call home. Right, um, nice. Yeah. And, and we're having this, for the audience's sake, we're, we're having this conversation on Friday, January 31st. So we have the Super Bowl coming up in, in two days. And uh, sorry that the, the Ravens won't. That hurts, there. Clayton. That we're, hurts. No. 
We'll come back. To, uh, we'll have to come back to that conversation right. at the end of the episode. Maybe we'll do some Super Bowl predictions. Let's 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 see how the conversation. Maybe, goes. maybe. I don't know. It still it still burns a little bit, but. <laughs> so so Carl, you, you mentioned uh, a few different roles and, and how you got started in the in the housing finance world. What was your what was your first career step in into housing finance? Um, what would you what surprised you about the industry in that first role? I'm kind of curious to hear about your early years in in mortgage and housing. Yeah, so my so my entire career is 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 mortgage. Um, and when I say entire career, my college internship was at a small bank uh, called Loyola Federal Savings Bank, which ultimately became Crestar, which became SunTrust, which now today I believe is Truist. Um, so, but even in the, those early that early internship, it was uh, I was in the mortgage department, and that was where I got my my kind of first taste of mortgage banking and. Worked for a great individual and had uh, an awesome experience and just kind of got hooked on it from there. My mother was a realtor as well. So there was a little bit of housing, uh, I guess, in in the bloodline. Um, And so from that college internship, I spent a couple couple years as an originator. Um, And then, ironically, um, the largest mortgage insurance firm for that small bank, um, I had met that local account manager and she was looking for an account rep to help her out. And so that was my foray into to mortgage insurance. Right? And I just, uh, I love the energy of the business. I love, I, you know, I think it's as, as fast paced as it comes. Um, constantly things changing and, and I love it. And I love it. So I went, I uh, did a, um, probably about a nine year stint at a company called Republic Mortgage Insurance Company. And then consequ- consequently moved to, um, moved up to New York, New Jersey with them, and then ended up in a role with Nomura uh, Credit and Capital, which was uh, owned by Nomura Securities, Japanese investment bank. And I was on their non-agency mortgage-backed security desk. Uh, And so learned a lot. It was my first foray into capital markets. And then uh, ended up coming back to RMIC, and then the financial crisis hit. (laughs) So unfortunately, RMIC is one of the MI companies that didn't make it. Uh, They were put into runoff. Uh, and then I spent a little bit of time with Aquin Financial, which at that time was heavy growth into acquiring and retaining mortgage servicing rights. And then I found Arch. Uh, I was the seventh employee of Arch Mortgage Insurance Company and have been with them since 2013 in various roles and until the role I'm in today as the uh, chief sales officer. So a great ride, loved every minute, loved all the customers, loved all the, uh, the friendships and, and relationships I made along the way. That's incredible. So you've seen the origination side, starting with your internship and first few years of work experience to, to, um, to, to MI, to capital markets, to servicing. Now, now, now back in MI, uh, that, that's kind of a unique perspective of all sides of the the housing finance transaction that not, not many folks in this industry have seen. Yeah, I feel lucky that way. I feel lucky that I've had such a kind of a unique journey and, and being able to touch all those facets and, I wouldn't say unlucky, but in the sense that I saw some, you know, the, the tough part of the cycle. But, um, you know, I think for businesses that specifically our business where you manage mortgage credit risk, I think seeing all parts of that cycle and the consequences of making wrong decisions in the cycle um, has been very powerful uh, education for me. Interesting. So I had no idea that you were 
employee number seven or team member number seven in Arch in 2013. Can, can you tell us a little more about those, those early years at Arch? What, what attracted you to join uh, such a kind of a, a, a venture or a, a internal venture at, at such an early stage in its, in its life cycle? And then like what your role, how that's kind of evolved over the last uh, six years as Arch has turned into the behemoth that it is. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I was lucky enough um, to, to know someone that knew someone, right? It's kind of how our business works. Um, of the, the folks that, I guess you'd say Arch Capital, right? Because Arch Mortgage Insurance is, is wholly owned by Arch Capital Group. Um, and I got a chance to meet some of those executives as they, were, they had announced the deal to buy CMGMI and then some of the um, operational assets and platform and data from the PMI Group, which was also another MI company like RMIC that got put in runoff from the financial crisis. And I just saw the opportunity and, and I got to meet some of the executive leaders and um, I, I like their view on things. I like their kind of disciplined approach to risk. And I like the fact that they were hungry to grow it. Um, and so when I came on, I came on in the role of a national account manager. Um, so I've been an individual contributor and dealt directly with some of the larger accounts that are Chad and then um, kind of various uh, leadership role. Uh, and then we acquired United Guarantee, and that was, you know, putting two great companies together. And that really kind of, you know, that catapulted us from seven to one really quick, right? Yep. And, um, and, and now to see kind of everything kind of come together and see the fruition of some of the people that set out early on their strategy to be the largest uh, mortgage insurer, it's, it's neat to be part of. And, and that UG deal also brought the headquarters to Greensboro, North Carolina, correct? It did. It did. So, you know, for a little far away from wine country, but a lot shorter <laughs> flight for me. So 43 minutes, I, I can tell you the exact, the exact amount of time. Uh, so, yeah, um, our headquarters is in Greensboro. We still have some um, employees and, and still occupy some space in Walnut Creek, California. But uh, predominant of my time is either spent out with clients or um, down in Greensboro. Yeah, Greensboro holds a, a special spot in my heart. I actually went to undergrad at Elon University just a few minutes down the road. Oh, just down the road. Yeah. yeah. So many flights in and out of Greensboro as an as a 18 through 22-year-old. Um, but uh, that's a, it's a great area. It is. That it is. So, Carl, as chief sales officer, and I know your, your role has evolved over the last uh, seven years. Um, what does that role look like? I assume you're not out selling uh, MI policy by policy. So, t so tell us about. I'm not. I'm not. Although that's, that's, that's some of the fun. That's some of the fun parts of the job. I'll, I'll tell you that much for sure. That uh, being in front of clients is, uh, is something I've always enjoyed. And, and I know a lot of our account managers and and, and our sales leadership enjoys as well. Most of my time, I've got um, kind of four pieces of business. I've got a credit union team that we're incredibly proud of. Um, you know, that's, that goes all the way back to the original roots of when we set up Arch, the acquisition of CMGMI, which was kind of exclusively focused on credit unions. So I've got a credit union team, a national accounts team that handles the, let's say roughly the top 40, 50 lenders in the country. And then we've got our field sales team, which is out there working with lenders of all size um, every day throughout the entire country, as well as uh, sales operations and analytics here in Greensboro. Nice. So 
where does in, in terms of kind of, of team focus, do you, is it uh, in, in like current business mix? Are you seeing kind of a, an equal spit split between that credit union, national accounts and field sales or like where, where is a lot of the effort going right now? You know, it's, it's kind of an overall mix. I, I think the, the story you see in the marketplace and it's, I think I just recently read it in, in one of the, um, one of the trade publications, but you see just that continuals, um, like continual migration from uh, even in the servicing book, right, of, of from banks to non-banks, and you see that in the origination space as well. And um, so, you know, I'd say the trends not to really get into the channel, you know, how we bifurcate, you know, the business out in the channels, uh, but more so I'd say the overall big trend that, that we continue to watch is the non-bank originator and the amount of originations they're doing and consequently the amount of servicing that we see them begin to retain. So that's what, that's one of the bigger trends we pay a lot of attention to. So as we, as we start to talk about trends a little bit, it's probably a good point to transition into some of the top headlines and articles that have crossed the housing wire news desk this week. And uh, a trend that's been, been building for the last uh, several months, last several quarters has been this low interest rate environment that we, that we find ourselves in. And uh, last week, we saw mortgage rates fall at the second lowest level in three years. Uh, one of our journalists, Alcina Lloyd, wrote an article that reported that the 30-year fixed uh, was down to 3.51. I believe that metric is coming from the, the Freddie survey. Uh, so as we go into this low interest rate environment, as we're in this low interest rate environment, what do your conversations look like with your, your clients, Carl? What, what are you out there talking to, to lenders about at the at kind of the, the national accounts level, as well as like smaller institutions that are trying to navigate this interest rate environment? Yeah, I can tell you one thing. I've given up on saying we'll never see interest rates this low again. Uh, I'm fairly certain that that's a comment that should never be made. And and uh, while, you know, I, I think rates seem to be driven here a little bit, um, I can't predict the direction of rates, but it, it sure feels like rates are lowering on some uh, kind of unrelated economic issues. Um, but there's also reason and, and plenty of rationale for people to believe that rates could stay low and possibly even go, go lower. And I was reading some articles this morning that no one sees the Fed uh, in, a, in a tightening approach. Um, if, if anything, it would be an easing approach. So, you know, when we talk to originators, we see them getting ready not only for a robust purchase market that seems to stay pretty steady for the most part. It's still a great time to, to buy a house. All things point that direction. Um, you know, we'll, refer, we'll talk a little bit about the Hammer Report at a later time, but um, a Hammer Report is, is a Arch Release, which is essentially our housing and mortgage market review. It's done by our chief economists and continues to show real positive outlook on, on, on housing, on home ownership. Uh, but I think, you know, to get back to your question, I think a lot of our lenders are prepping for what could be another, whether you want to call it a refi boomlet or refi boom, there's likely going to be more refinance transactions in the market again. And, you know, from our standpoint, one of the things that we've, you know, uh, last year we rolled out a product in 2019, hard to believe 2019 last year, uh, but we rolled out a product called RateStars Refinance Retention Product. And what that is, is we saw, um, uh, we saw an opportunity to make sure with all these refinances, we've got a lot of great loans on our books. And we wanted to make sure that we, you know, if those borrowers still needed mortgage insurance, that we kept those loans on our books. But we also thought about in, in how can we help our, our clients and the people that do business with us 
How can we continue to give them innovative products that put them in a better position to win deals? And so essentially any originator that does business with us can, can go to our website and plug in a couple attributes specific to the borrower uh, that, they, that has a mortgage insurance loan. And if we have it, uh, there's a good chance they'll be el- eligible for some, some attractive premium pricing. And I'll tell you, Clay, what's been kind of interesting about that is it definitely helps with the transaction, right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're positioning our lenders to be very um, competitive on that refinance transaction. But some of the really savvy loan officers, we've actually ended up getting more purchase deals because of it. And what they've come to the conclusion is that we keep innovating, right? And we keep bringing new products to the marketplace. But if they do a purchase transaction, and even if I'm not the lowest price, maybe I'm a couple basis points off one way or the other, that placing that loan with Arch likely puts that borrower in a position to be eligible for the next innovative product we come out with. So we're really excited how that went. And that product actually just won Ellie Mae's um, Lender Choice Innovation Award. So it's one thing for me to tell you it's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's one thing for me to tell you how great it is, and I think it is great. But it really feels good when our client base validates it through something like that. So let's, let's, let's go a little deeper on on how exactly you work with lenders and how programs like Rate Star Refi kind of navigate from your your corporate level uh, relationship and conversation, like out, out to the out to the field, and uh, and I'd love to little, hear a little bit more about how originators, how loan officers, kind of per- perceive their MI partners and and how they learn about the the options and products and, and innovations that can actually help them close more business, specifically on the the purchase side. Because I, I really do believe that, like you like you said, we we can't bet on interest rates. So uh, we need to. Every lender out there needs to have a strong purchase business, and uh, would love to hear more about those conversations about how you're advising your corporate level contacts to to disseminate that information out to the the originators and make sure that tools and resources are are there's awareness and there's utilization. Yeah, it's a great, you know, I think we can tell part of that story. We don't want, you know, the entire secret sauce to get out there for us. But what I would say is that, um, you know, I'm very confident in the sales force that I've got, right? And I think that our account managers in the field level or our credit union account managers that work specifically with credit unions, strategic accounts, national accounts, all are... All our people that are client-facing do a tremendous job of listening to, to our clients, right? And we take a lot of that feedback and we bring it back on a very frequent and regular basis and interact with our product development team, interact with our pricing team, and make sure that we're not really on our heels, we're on our toes, right? And we try and think about products that put our originators in the best possible position to do more business, right? And I'll give you a great example. And, you know, it's a product that we released uh, a little while ago, but is uh, to me by far and away our most impactful product. It's called Rate Star Buy Down. And essentially it takes a, a basic monthly MI product and makes it very customizable. So a borrower can choose, a lender can choose to pay a portion of that upfront directly to us and change the monthly premium for the rest of of the duration. And we've seen originators by giving them such a powerful tool, 
right? We've seen originators, they'll use it in the beginning. Let's say there's a competitive MI rate out there that's maybe a little better than they have. They can use a lender credit. They can buy down the MI rate. So they've got what everybody else has, right? So they, they don't run the risk of losing the deal up front. We've seen people buy down the monthly MI payment payment to make sure that it you know works in the overall DTI. And then where we where we really learned came up with the idea was we had a a client that works with a builder who told us there was always a leftover builder concession and maybe there was two or three hundred dollars left over at the end of the transaction that almost went to waste. And so by taking that money at the end of the transaction, applying it to the MI, you can give the borrower a lower MI payment towards the end of the transaction. So customizable products like that, you know, I, I, I tell you that story because that was a case where our account managers and a kind of our focus groups listened to what our clients told us. We brought it back to Greensboro and we came out with a product that really solved the needs of our clients. And that's kind of how the process works and probably should work, listening to our clients first. So from a, from a systems perspective, how do customizable uh, MI programs like the one you just described get executed at, at time of origination? Is there integration into the LOS? Is there a separate RateStar platform that they're working through? Like, how, how, do you, how does the originator execute on, on that capability? Yeah, that's a great question because the technology piece is always either helpful or, in hit, or a hindrance in a particular moment, right? And so what we saw for sure in the beginning, there was a little bit of additional legwork and I'd say some manual aspects to buy down. Uh, but, you know, we've got a industry technology team that is solely focused, <laughs> solely focused on working with um, whether it's LOSs, uh, product and pricing engines, or point of sale uh, applications, either one of those, we have someone that really works and engages with that individual on a those companies on a regular basis. And over a short amount of time, they were able to build the necessary changes or make the necessary revisions so that the client can use that uh, more seamlessly. Excellent. Well, so Carl, another top article that crossed our, our desk this week was, was actually for our HW Plus members, our, our premium membership, the answer to affordable housing, the affordable housing shortage, no one wants to hear. Stop waiting for the silver bullet that will never come. This is by one of our journalists, uh, Brennan Nath, and she interviews um, Rob Dietz, the chief economist at the National Association of Home Builders, and they talk about the five L's, lack of labor, lots and land, lumber materials, lending for builders, laws and regulatory burdens. This, this article is largely focused on, on affordable housing, but there really does seem to be, this, this theme, much like interest rates, keeps popping back up, not just on the affordable housing front, but also kind of overall housing and inventory shortages that are driving up pricing, making the market more competitive, bringing the spring home buying cycle forward. And I thought this would be a really interesting topic to discuss with you because, as you mentioned earlier, we did get the opportunity to preview the, the winter 2020 Hammer Report that, that Arch puts out quarterly, the Housing and Market Review. And one of the, the lead articles is housing isn't as expensive as you think. And th this headline from Hammer kind of is in, in contradiction to some of the other research reports and, and articles that HousingWire and other outlets have published. And I'm really interested to, to hear some of your perspectives on, on housing affordability as I, I 
am of the assumption that this is a conversation you were also having with your lending clients. Yeah, we, we have it quite a bit with the lending clients. And I think, as I mentioned before, my, my mother's in the real estate business. I end up having quite a few conversations with her <laughs> on it. So, you know, I think the title says a lot in, in, uh, in the Hammer Report. It's not as, uh, you know, it's not as bad as you think. There, there's certainly, you know, there's going to be headwinds. I think for the reason and I had a chance yesterday to read your article, um, and there are some headwinds in there. You know, you really look at just the type of housing that's been built and, and the land and, and really some of the zoning that kind of prevents, I guess, a little bit more density than, than most people want. Um, but I think all those things, you know, need to be addressed from our standpoint. What we see is we've certainly seen, and, you know, I would encourage anybody to, to go to our website and pull down that, that housing and mortgage market review, what we call the hammer report. We'll, we'll Tons of great detail in there. Well. You know, and it and that will reference, I believe, since 2012, you've seen a home price appreciation around, you know, nationally. Of course, there's there's little pockets that could be, you know, plus or minus this number, but nationally around 46 percent since 2012. But the other part of the article, and I think it's incredibly important, is that median income has risen, um, and I believe since 2012, nearly 28 percent. So clearly, those aren't, you know, st- they're not going you know, up the exact same amounts, which we keep, of course, the affordability essentially the same as 2012. Um, But there is real income growth, right? And so while we've seen home price appreciation, there's also been that wage that's going along with it. Now, with that in mind, I mean, we do think, you know, a lot of our clients are first-time homebuyers. And I think for, you know, our core mission of getting people into homeownership, Right, or I should—I really shouldn't say art, but the mortgage insurance business uh, core mission of getting people into home ownership. We spend a lot of time thinking about affordability, right? And we've we've released um, what we call our community programs, right? And there's a couple different subsets of those, but we've got community heroes, which focuses on first responders and teachers. There's a professional and expert aspect of it um, for people that, that come out with degrees. Um, along that, you know, whether a CPA or doctors, and then we, we've actually added a military component to it, uh, which we think helps us give a non-government alternative um, to a VA loan, right? So we are focused on, you know, bringing more Americans into the home ownership fold, and these programs have been very well received, uh, especially for financial institutions that uh, that like to portfolio and, and hold these kind of loans on their balance sheet with the protected protection from a mortgage insurance firm. The, the program focused on uh, teachers and other public service roles is really interesting as we, we definitely hear here at Housing Wire uh, about the challenge of uh, firemen, police officers, teachers being able to live within a commutable or a reasonably commutable distance from their job. I think that that problem is particularly pronounced in uh, several parts of California, specifically the, the Bay Area. And uh, so are, are you seeing adoption of those type of programs uh, at a higher clip or higher rate um, in some of those expensive coastal markets? Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I think the products have been a little bit, you know, I don't have those exact numbers right in front of me, but I would say, you know, coastal adoption um, where the products have more meaningful impact to those populations of individuals, uh, for sure. And you've seen whether financial institutions on the West or financial institutions on the East, 
look to continue to serve the population or the community that they're domiciled in. So yes, I, I would I would agree with that statement. We've seen um, we've seen good growth in that product on the coast, but we've also seen it in the Midwest. Um, a lot of the times, it's really about you know getting the right audience with the right financial institution that wants to focus on those clients and has an appetite for helping that part of the community. And that's what we're outsourcing for on a regular basis. Excellent. So, Carl, as we uh, kind of get close to the, the end of this episode, uh, I want to revisit one of our uh, opening, uh, opening remarks. So, uh, Chiefs or 49ers? No, I can't. I can't. I was envisioning, I was so convinced it was going to be a replay of, of 49ers and Ravens and with the same outcome as the regular season, but uh, it, it just wasn't meant to, meant to be. You know, it's, it's tough. I live here outside the D.C. area and there's plenty of, I can't believe any Redskins fan could, could you know, talk a little trash, but <laughs> you even, you find that here. So uh, I, I guess I'll go with the 49ers. I'll go with the 49ers. All right. Well, I'll take the other side of that with Chiefs. One of our uh, managing editors, Sarah Wheeler, and uh, actually, it's more her husband, Randy, is a, a huge Chiefs fan. So, so I'll uh, I'll take that side. So, um, if you if you want to put a little money on it, shoot me an email after the podcast, and we'll we'll make it interesting. Maybe we should do a dinner. We'll get you back to your college town. We'll get you to Greensboro. We'll put dinner on. All right. That sounds good. All right. Dinner on it. Carl's taking the 49ers. I've got the Chiefs. Uh, Housing News listeners, we will report back. (laughs) You got it, Clayton. Thanks for the time today. I really appreciate it. Carl, thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you. Really interesting to learn more about your role at Arch and the conversations that you were having with originators on the fronts of mortgage rates and affordable housing and all the product innovation that, that Arch is taking on in 2019 and 2020. Thank you very much. Housing News listeners, we will see you next week. Thank you.